Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right, uh, we're going to get into Acts chapter 2 this morning. We're going to continue on in our vision series. So Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. And uh, we're looking at vision, and true vision starts with a look at your own relationship with God. And Pastor Steve, our senior pastor, spoke to us last week about our first love. And, uh, and that first love is Christ. If, there, if there's anything that, that uh, you get a hold of in your daily journey of faith, you have to retain and feed your love for Christ. That's why we're here, right? That's one of the reasons why we are here in this place this morning, And so it's in that that we recognize that we have gained an inheritance in Christ that no one can take away from us. No one can take that away from us. And so if you have lost your love for Him, you tend to lose your vision. Once you start cultivating your love for the Lord, there is something else that will naturally flow out of your life. And one of those things is community. And community is what we're going to look at today and consider. I, I realize that everybody has a different personality uh, and that uh, some people are more outgoing than others. Uh, I understand that. Some people thrive in being around people all the time at all costs. And uh, these people want others to be around them no matter what is happening. That's just the way they work. That's their MO, right? And and so everybody's a little different. It's kind of like this phenomenon. And, and some of you guys may be aware of this phenomenon. Most of us men don't understand it. Don't worry, ladies. Something's coming for the guys too. But say you're sitting down. Maybe you're sitting down. It's a bunch of, uh, a bunch of people, men and women. And, and one of the ladies says, hey, I need to run to the powder room. And before you know it, another lady pops up and says, I need, I'll go too. And so you're thinking, well, how many people does it take to comb hair or something? My hair is short, so you know I, I don't uh, ha- I don't have a problem with that. So I'm just I'm just used to that. But uh, but anyway, and so well, it, it can be on the other side of that too. So it's not just the ladies; it's kind of like us guys in my family. Us men may be sitting around, maybe at the table, maybe on the couch inside in the air conditioning where it's nice and cool, and we start talking about machinery, or we start talking about cars, or we start talking about outside and. And before you know it, one of us uh, says, hey, you know, let's, let's go look at this. And before you know it, we're all outside. We're all in the shop. We're looking at a part. We're talking about something. And we're, we're just hashing things out there, trying to figure it all out. Well, that's all community, right? It's all community in some sense. And for you, it may be the latest book that you read. It may be about some trivial pursuit that you have. Uh, or maybe something, uh, ha- a book that's of social significance and has an impact on the world around you. I, I don't know what it is for you, but we all, like others, tend to be involved in our lives. We all, like others, involved in our lives at some level. It's important for us to be involved with other people. You may not like uh, be like people that have others around you all the time, and that's okay. You may be the person who wants to get in a quiet room in your house and, uh, and shut yourself off for a little while and just have a little bit, bit of me time. I know there's those two as well. But there's a time you have to be able to step out of your corner, right? There's a time you have to be able to engage other people 
and make that community work for you. And so you all need community. We all need it. It's important for us. God designed us for fellowship. He designed us for interaction with, with one another. If you go back to Genesis, right in the very beginning in Genesis, in the first couple chapters there, you find that God created many things and He was forming company. The pinnacle of His creation was humanity. Both man and woman, it was part of it. And even when God made man, He knew that He couldn't leave him by Himself with a bunch of animals and a bunch of plants and trees. wasn't enough. It's not that animals aren't good. They are. We, we enjoy them. Animals are important to our lives. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says this. We'll get to Acts 2 in a second. It says, The Lord God said... It is not good for, man, for the man to be alone. So God provided another human being for Adam, and then they had the makings of a family, which is a pretty cool deal. Now, you don't get me wrong here. Animals are okay. Animals are important. God made them to enjoy and to care for and for us uh, to meet some of our needs. The Bible's plain about that. We understand that. But Fluffy the dog or Sailor the parakeet, as we have at home, are not part of the community that we need. Having pets is good. It can even be healthy to have a pet. Yet we, we need true community that can only come through when we allow others into our lives. I would never say that animals aren't part of God's plan or creation because they are, they're part of the creation account. We know that. And yet there are also, uh, there are so many things that, uh, that, there are only so many things I can tell Sailor the bird. Uh, if I sing through the house and he starts squawking or if I look at him and said, Sailor, how are you? Sailor, how are you? <laughs> he just looks back at me and squawks or does whatever he does. And, you know, you can have a higher level bird than that. My sister used to have an African gray, and that African gray could say words and, and talk, but you knew it's just something that he learned. It didn't really have the meaning that it does when I say uh, to Jody, my wife, good morning, and she says back to me, good morning. It has a different meaning than what my bird is saying to me. But remember, once you start cultivating your love for God, there is something else that will naturally flow out of your life, and that is community. We find this in the early church. We see it here in Acts chapter 2. And when Christ has changed people's hearts, it tends to start uh, changing how they view things around them. That changes how we live. It may be little by little, but it is change, and it happens when we love the one, Jesus, who first loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's what the Scripture tells us. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 2. We're going we're gonna to find the early church's response uh, here, and we see it in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It starts out, I don't think that's on the screen for you, but here, uh, here's the, this is the bridge to the rest of this passage that we're looking at. In verse 41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So we see the Apostle Paul out here. He has been preaching the good news uh, to the crowds of people who came to Jerusalem. There was, there was a powerful change of life for so many people there at that point. And, 
And Luke tells us here that around 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus. It's here that he goes on to tell what happened to those people and who placed their faith in Christ. And that's where we jump into Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You'll see it with me on the screen. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. See, God was doing something in the lives of people. They were coming to faith, and then as they were coming to faith, they were building community together. They didn't just stick it out alone, but they allowed others into their world. And so let's, let's set the stage here a little bit more. There, there were some significant things that were happening in the lives of people and that, who had placed their faith in the Lord. And it wasn't too far back. It was about 50 days before this or, or uh, so that the resurrection of Jesus had taken place. Uh, now the sign of tongues on the day of Pentecost, a Jewish feast, has taken place and, and Peter gets up and he starts uh, tell, showing them from the Scripture what this meant for them today. And so he was helping them and it, it was an outpouring of God's Spirit. It was likely that people from all over the Roman world placed their faith in Jesus at that point. We know they're coming there to this place for a purpose. And we know that there were those uh, there for the Jewish feast, and now they had to figure out what to do with them as some people were coming to faith. And I'm sure that uh, some of those same people had the responsibilities at home in Cyrene and Libya, which is North Africa, and others were there from Pontus and Cappadocia, which was way north near the, the Black Sea and Turkey now, which is just south of Ukraine and the former Soviet Union. Some of, uh, some of these guys were from the island of Crete, that, uh, that's southeast of modern-day Athens, Greece, and uh, 3,000 people come to Christ. And some of these uh, have been there right, right in Jerusalem, right from the local area. They were there, and they were putting their faith in Jesus. So let's put this in perspective again. So, so say you go to a big conference in Dallas, Okay. You go down to Dallas, you're spending some time there, and while you're there, God pours His Spirit out in your life and He transforms you and you become a follower of Jesus. And uh, here you are, it affects your whole world. What are you going to do now? There you are in this place that uh, you don't know, Dallas there, maybe wherever, what part of Dallas you're at, and you decide, well, you know what? Uh, I can't, I, you gave up your room at Motel 6, right? They didn't even leave the light on for you. Some of you will get that one. And so you're nearly out of food except for a big pack of granola bars and maybe you had a bag of figs. Well, you wanted to be healthy, right? I don't know. <laughs> you need to, you, so you need to find a place and you need to stay uh, and find a place to be safe. And So other, other followers of Jesus say, hey, why don't you come to my house? Why don't you hang out with us? And, and uh, then, uh, then you can make your way back to Kansas. 
And so you, you, uh, you can't just sit around so you, you talk about your new faith in Jesus Christ and you learn everything you can from other seasoned followers of Jesus who, who know, have known him for a while. And, and, and so then after that, you're going to come back to Kansas. That was community. It was community that you had as you connected to other people. That, that's community. Spending time together around the table. table. Remember, while you're still in Dallas at the other believer's home, you have that community. Yet when you return to Kansas, you need to find community as well, right? You can't uh, go to Dallas all the time just be able to spend your time with Jesus. You have to be able to interact with people where you're at. You have to make a, a, a connection here where you are. So you have to find community with other followers of Jesus here. You're always going there. You'll get lost between Dallas and Topeka. Maybe you'll get into North Dallas if you drive in there. I've driven in there quite a few times. And when you get into North Dallas, uh, and it could be it could be ten o'clock at night, and the traffic is bumper to bumper, and you're you're like, it's just better for me to pull off the side of the road and sit here and go to sleep for a while. You may get stuck. You may get lost in between. You have to make a connection where you're at. Look at verse 46 with me again here. In verse 46, it says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. God was doing something in their lives. See, community in, involves hanging out often. Community involves hanging out with others often. And over here in verse 46, these early followers of Jesus we're hanging out every day. They were hanging out, spending time together. And there may have been those that couldn't do that. There may have been those that just were so busy they weren't able to do that. But these guys were serious about it. They, they didn't want to miss out on one thing that God wanted to do in their life. They were radical in some sense. Luke says that uh, they kept on meeting even in the temple courts. We know over in Solomon's porch, Solomon's portico, they were there later in Acts chapter 5, verse 42. It says this to them. Luke says, Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So they didn't only hang out, but while they did, as opportunity arose, they told others about Jesus. They interacted with them. And that's a great thing about community. As we spend time together, as we're able to encourage each other and share the good news with those who haven't received His message, it's a wonderful thing. We have those opportunities. Those opportunities arise as we connect with one another. Hanging out often was important to the early church. It's also important, very important for us today and that's why the writer of Hebrews says this over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, as it says it on the screen, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, he, he's saying here, get together and encourage one another. Uh, don't just stand out there by yourself. Get together and enjoy one another. Challenge each other to keep moving forward in your faith and do it while you can. Because the day is approaching. 
try to remind us not to get in the habit of trying to live out our own faith by ourselves. Really, we're called to live out our faith in community. We're called to live out our faith together with each other. How else are we going to be strong unless we do some weightlifting? And part of that weightlifting is for us to be together looking at the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to help us. Back when I was in high school, about two or three years ago, and uh, some of you will get that too, uh, we uh, did weightlifting. Doesn't look like it, I know. But <laughs> didn't help me that much. No, it helps. But anyway, we did weightlifting. We did in sports and wrestling and football and those kind of things. And, and weightlifting is helpful to build up your stamina, to build your strength up and all those things. And, and so here we are doing weightlifting. One of the things we did is if we were going to do a free, uh, lift free weights with a bar and just put the weights on the end and the collars on it, uh, you'd have to have a spotter. You'd have to have a partner that's going to work with you. And that's something that we would do. And so I know on the machines and stuff, you can do it by yourself, usually without somebody else there. Uh, but it's helpful to have that spotter. And so it didn't matter if you put it 150 pounds, 200 pounds on that on that barbell, or not barbell, but the bar as you're picking up for bench press, and maybe you're a little weak that day, a little too aggressive, and so then you put too much on, and, and you go for that first rep, and the other guy's there behind you saying, oh, you can do it. No, you can't. And then he helps you up. And so, you know, you got to have that partnership, and maybe you kind of got one arm faster than the other, and so he's got to help steady you out there. And it's important that we have partners in life, other believers who can help us and say, you can do it and you can push to the end. It's important for us in our faith as we live out our life that we can be strengthened with the Lord. There was something else that would happen to us as well. As if, if you didn't go to the gym, if you weren't working out, maybe it was a holiday season and if you skipped on the holidays, guarantee when you came back from the holidays, you were going to find out that you lost some stamina. You couldn't put on as much weight at that point, and so you had to build yourself back up. You didn't want to miss out. Or maybe you got sick for a while, and then you couldn't go do your reps and, and do the exercises you needed. Much the same for us in our walk with Jesus. We need community to help us to stay spiritually strong. We need community to help us live out our faith in this world. And if we lack that community to encourage us to build up the courage that is in us to walk out our faith, we won't be as strong as we would be as if we lifted together. Living for Jesus is a team effort. You know, popular, uh, popular sayings uh, with uh, popular religion, so to speak, would say, oh no, you can do it on your own. No, that's not true. That's not the Bible. <laughs> that's not the Scripture. We can't just do it on our own. Yes, there are certain things we can do and we need to to be able to be strong in the Lord and our Bible study and those things, but we need one another to be able to do it together. Each one of us has a place we can serve as a part to play in God's kingdom, yet we must not ignore our faith walk. And you have to remember that to walk out your faith includes others. A couple weeks back, I went to the Presbyterian Manor uh, to uh, speak uh, for a couple different services for uh, Pastor Cook, the chaplain. And uh, the people got there. It was kind of cool. And 
Uh, they, they knew that if somebody had to roll them into service, they were, they were going to make it. didn't matter. Uh, and like the first service I did, there was like all these people coming in. They were rolling them in with wheelchairs. I don't know. There must have been 20 or 30 wheelchairs in excuse me, in there, and they, they roll them in, and that was in, in the side where their, their health isn't the best, and uh, that was the bigger service of the two. The residential was a smaller service, and, uh, but these guys, they knew they needed God, and they, what, they weren't going to let anything stop them from getting there, and they had people roll them in there, and, and we need to be like them. We need to be people that say, you know what, I need God. I need Him. And so no matter what it takes, I'm going to drive to get there. I'm going to walk to get there. And that's what these guys did. Remember that if you're 80 or 40 or 16, it doesn't matter. You need community. We all need community. You need fellowship with other like-minded believers to encourage you and to challenge you to grow in your faith. There, there's something else about community here. Look at verse 42 with me. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Then part of verse 46, he says this. It says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. We see that, the, that they didn't just spend time together at church uh, as they knew it at the time. But to them, quote, church was where they were. Now we understand we have church similar to the synagogue setting in some sense. That's where some of that idea comes from or and some from the temple idea. But, but they, they met together. They met at the temple. They met in homes. They met at the synagogue. They did all kinds of things. And, and, and they made sure that they connected and stayed connected with one another and with God. They broke bread together. I hope some of that was gluten-free. <laughs> whatever it took for them to build community is what they did. Why? Because they recognized they needed each other and they recognized they needed the Lord. Why should we build community among ourselves? Well, because we need each other. Even today, without our cell phones, without our iPods, or without our iPads, or our hobbies, or it may be that you could use some good hobbies to create godly community, right? Some of you guys do that. Quilters or scrapbooking or different things. Different things that people do. Community takes at least two people to start it. It takes at least two people to start community. And it may just be one, really, because as one engages another to engage another, we build, start building that community but the person who has come to faith and the seasoned person who has followed Jesus for a while can join together and to build community. And that's what each and every one of us should do. It's very interesting to me. This isn't in my notes. It's very interesting. In every church I've been in, I find that there's people on this side that, doesn't, that they don't know people on this side. And in the middle that don't know people on either side. It doesn't matter how big or how small the church is. And I've, been to, I've pastored in different churches and it's just interesting to me, and, I, and I'm thinking, stepping back and saying, we need to engage one another. We need to engage one another and allow God to work through our lives. It's important for us. All right, let's move back to the Dallas story for just a second. So it took a follower of Jesus to invite that new person into the circle. Since Motel 6 didn't leave the light on for him, they had to go somewhere, and so they helped him out. And and here's the thing, if you're, not, if you're going to grow in your faith, it must not only include personal Bible study. Now, personal Bible study is great, it's important for us. 
but it's important and something we need. Yet, if you, are, if you are going to grow in your faith in Christ, you need to engage others as you consider what God is saying to your life. Many of you know we have, uh, we have SAGU Topeka, Southwestern Assembly of God University here in Topeka, based at our church. And uh, so uh, with that, the, the, some of the guys that are working on their degrees in college and they're serving here at this campus and some of our other campuses as well. And uh, one of the things that they'll be doing is uh, some will be doing some preaching, likely on some Wednesday nights. We'll, uh, we may see those guys don the, don the doors of the pulpit and, uh, and share the word of God with us. And so we'll see that. They'll be speaking in youth services. And I had a chance to sit down with some of the guys there. Uh, it was a good time, and I just reminded them that you learn as much or more preparing to preach as the people you're speaking to. See, they could have said no. They didn't want to do that, but uh, uh, they don't want to do it, but they would have missed out on the great blessing of serving others and encouraging others with God's Word. The sad thing is, is that not only would others miss out on some gift that God has put in their life, but they would also miss out on the preparation for themselves. Many of you know as teachers who have taught either in the public school or in the Sunday school classes or small groups, life groups, you realize that you grow as much from that as the others do, and maybe more. So those are important things. And we see that community helps everyone. Not just the people in the group, but also the ones that lead. And when you become willing to allow others into your circle of friends, you may open a door that can change your life forever. And their life forever. You never know what will happen. You have something to give to others. Some of you are sitting in your chair right now and say, I don't have anything to give. That's just not true. You do have something to give. Reach out to others. You may not be wealthy. You may not be a Bible scholar. You may not be an outgoing person. Maybe you're an encourager. Maybe you're a helper. It may be that you, the, you use those small abilities that you've had to help us last night at the, at the uh, outreach that we had. Maybe small words of encouragement that you give to somebody and they keep them for years. You think it's small, but I guarantee you that those things aren't small. They're important. You may tend to be a person who's a little negative. Well, maybe you need to work on that. But even so, you could be the one who's going to help build community by preparing for outreach or fixing things or doing other things that God may put in your life to, to build community. It just takes people who are willing to do something. Bring yourselves and your gifts then to work at being kind to others. Sharing the hope of Jesus in a way that you know how. There's something else that community involves. Community also involves the table. It tends to involve the table. We see that throughout the Scripture that's, there's no question about that. It, it seems like that uh, throughout the Gospels we find Jesus and His disciples eating with people at other times. Even in the book of Acts we see it here as God's people are eating together. Food at the table seems to be something that's important to most of us. Some of you are hungry now. Some of you are thinking about that steak or that roast. Mashed potatoes and grapes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's going to make me preach faster. So when Jesus, we find Jesus in the Gospels, He met with Matthew and he was, who was working at his tax collector's booth. We see that. 
Matthew wasn't even a disciple yet, and Jesus told him in, uh, in a typical Jewish fashion, he said, come follow me. He wanted him to become his disciple. And uh, then the next thing you know, Jesus is at Matthew's house setting the table, and Matthew's house started filling up with other guys like Matthew. People's lives were being changed. Where? At the table. At the table because they were open. Then you have people like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the short chief tax collector guy. This guy, he can't see over the crowd, so what does he do? He climbs up. He climbs up in the trees, trying to see Jesus, wants to see Jesus. And, and Jesus finally looks around to him and says, hey, buddy, why don't you, why don't you come down from there? I, I want to meet with you. And so Jesus there again goes to his house and he spends some time with him. Now, there's something interesting about that guy. He's the chief tax collector, right? We've talked about it before. And so this guy, he got a cut off of all the taxes that were collected around there. And so even Matthew didn't have one up on him. So this guy was able to, uh, whenever Matthew pulled in some money, this guy got it too. He got his cut, right? And so here Jesus is talking to this guy who was unliked. I would say that's an understatement. What does Jesus do with him? He says, come down, I must stay at your house. I've got to spend some time with you. We need to hang out. And that's the way it needs to be with us in our lives. So what does that mean? It, it means that they're going to sit at the table. They're going to sit at the table. What happened? Zach, Zach turned away from his sin to live for Jesus. That's really the power of community. And community often includes a table. So where are we at today? Let's talk about it just for a second. We're almost done here. Article in Forbes magazine says this. It's called a table for one, and it's a reminder of our eating habits and how they've changed in the United States. And uh, it says how we eat in America today is a reflection of the continued erosion of ritual, and nothing is more a powerful proof of this than just how much of our collective eating occasions happen alone. We're eating more and more alone. We are pri prioritizing snacking over meals. And I'm not worried about that, but I'm just telling you what it says. And as a household sizes are getting smaller, mealtime ritual is harder and to sustain interest in. The numbers around eating alone are nothing short of revelatory. They illustrate that alone eating is the new norm. Then they go on to uh, quote a, uh, a study from the Hartman's group that says nearly half, 46% of all adult eating occasions are completely alone. We're eating by ourselves. The reason for alone eatings are, uh, eating is complex. Multitasking while eating and enjoying some TV or reading are just a few reasons why so many of us eat alone. Yet aside for some mealtimes, the shift to sol uh, solitary dining habits are deeply rooted in changes within the fabric of our social and cultural norms. What's normal? Including an increasing fragmentation of daily life. So the pantry and the kitchen are, serve as a sort of 24-hour commissary for all to access whenever they want to save for a rare and special occasion during which all gather to eat collectively. So you may say, well, sure, we know this, but what does this really have to do with us? What does this have to do? Well, it has to do with all of us, right? We know that times have changed. 
So what it means uh, is that you and I must work even harder to build community with one another. It means more work for us. What was the norm 30 years ago to 50 years ago is now not the norm. So we must find new ways to build community. How are we going to do that? Well, I'm going to start by saying this, or I'm going to end by saying this. Here's my question. What is the table for you? What is the table for you? What is something that brings a smile to your face when you talk about it? Is it cars? Is it sewing? Uh, is it just different hobbies in your life? Photography? Is it football? Is it, is it soccer, music, or maybe it's a good book? What, what is it that brings uh, some joy to your life? It may be family, friends, scrapbooking, so many different things. There's so many things that we like to do. Yet do we invite others along the way? Like our quilter ladies. They have quilting down here. Every week they're down here quilting and they invite others and it's a ministry. It becomes a ministry to help missionaries around the world and do so many different things. But they invite others into their love for quilting. That's just one of those examples. It could be your table may be the new coffee shops that have arisen in the last 15, 20 years. We've always had coffee shops, right? But you have the Starbucks, you have the Pete's, you have all kinds of different things that's out there. And those are open in your area of town. And it may simply be the life groups that you have to offer here at Topeka First. We have many different life groups. And our, our new life groups are now listed on our website at TopekaFirst.com. And you can find them on, on our website, on the web calendar under small groups and Christian Ed for like Sunday school classes that meet between the two services. And uh, you'll go onto the Boulevard page. So the Boulevard campus, you'll go there and then you can go into the calendar and see those. But even on the Boulevard page, you'll see a listing of the, of the different groups that we have. Some may say, you know, I don't have time for community. I am just busy. Well, we all are busy, aren't we? I understand that. We live in a fast-paced society. We live in a fast world, and it can be challenging to do everything we want to do, but sometimes we can feel like that proverbial gerbil that's running on his exercise wheel round and around and around, and sometimes what we have to do is step off of the wheel. We have to be able to step off of the wheel for just a little bit. We're not meant to exercise all the time, 100% of the time, are we? We're meant to take those little breaks, get those breaks out of there so that we can spend time. And really, community is an important part of that for us. There are times that we have to slow down for just a little while. If we choose only to be busy, what will we have in the end? I think it's important for us to ask ourselves, what do we have in the end if we only choose to be busy? There are a lot of good things in this life. A lot of wonderful things we can do. But we have to choose those things that we know best is going to build community in our lives, build community in our faith, in our walk. What will really matter to those times that you spent at the table building community with others? What what is going to matter? What, is, what are you going to gain from that? You're going to gain something big. You know, it's one thing just to have a certificate on the wall. Lots of us have those certificates. We had to go through to do this or to do that. That certificate's there. That certificate only lasts so long. What are we going to do, though, with the building of community in our lives? 
As we wrap up this morning, your table may not be exactly the same as others. Everybody has different tables. But make sure that your table includes your faith in Christ and encouragement for others. And spend some time in prayer and sharing with others what Christ has done for you. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing this last song. I just want to challenge you to be a part. Find a place. Make a connection with others. Build community with one another. Because God has a plan to use you in your life. And He has a plan to work through others as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for this time that we have together to be able to build community even here. Even here in our worship services. Yet that's only, that's only the start. Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to recognize that you have more for us than what we even notice. Help us to be people who are willing to build that community. Not only in our lives and for our lives, but for others as well. Help us to keep the right vision.